collect words on the music snobs. I hijack words. Dastardly is my newest one. Sideways, things go sideways is another one. Zeitgeist. Zeitgeist is another one. I don't have one for you yet. You are such an enigma. Enigma. That's it. I have one for Scoop. I don't think you've ever been called that before. I've been called enigma. I've been called a lot of things, not an enigma. And a nigga. I ain't been called an enigma enigma before. I'm your lead voice, Arthur, and I am joined, as always, by Scoop, Isaac, and Jahan. And we're closing out 2013 with a review with some lists, some end-of-the-year lists. Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to call off a few of the more popular ones that we all have some responses for, and we're just going to go around the table to see who's got what. Albums that did not drop in 2013 and won't drop in 2014 either. Who wants first? I'll go first. (laughs) I might be crossing off a couple of my right, picks. Right, right. No, yeah, you might be, because I think we're going to open up with some of this. Of course, the easy route. Number one for me was D'Angelo. Yeah, I got to cross yeah, that off. Right? <laughs> Number two, Anita Baker. I don't know if you had that on your mm-hmm. list. Uh, oh, tell, tell me about that. She was supposed to come out with something? She was supposed to come out with something in 2012. And then, all right, it's going to come out in 2013. She put out a lead oh, single. Right. She put out a lead single that caused a lot of buzz and followed it up with nothing. So well, wait a minute, what was the lead single? I can't remember. It was two years ago. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, she put out a lead single. So she's basically doing an old school D'Angelo. Then had the nerve to call Tony Braxton and told Tony Braxton not to retire. I'm like, how you gonna tell Tony Braxton not to retire? But you are in the closest thing to semi-retirement that anybody's had, you know, since the Grateful Dead. What, she are, you, knows. what are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing? She's like, she's like, I ain't coming out yet. You can't quit. Right, exactly. <laughs> That's basically what it boils down to. Well, you know what though. What, what kind of vibe was that single? What kind of production? It was, was an, it was an Anita Baker, you know, old school. But I kind of like the same vibe that um, uh, um, Barry Eastmon's George Duke kind of. Yeah, but that, yeah, right? exactly. Kind of Anita Baker. It's not as rich as some of her other stuff, mm-hmm. but for the moment, um, it was there. You know, it was, I mean, you knew it was her. It was just you know. If you know, we're heading into the holiday season, so you can always pull out that Christmas album she did about six years yeah. ago, which oh, I'm was not saying, off the chain. Right, right. It's ridiculous, right? Yeah. But I'm not saying there's nothing for her to pull out. I'm just saying that you know, on the list of answering Arthur's mm-hmm. thing, the albums that didn't drop that's not going to drop. It's like this was supposed to drop in 2012. I carried it over 2013. Think it was going to come out. Didn't come out this year. So, so it's, it's not coming out next. That's year what I'm saying. It's not coming out next year either. You know, I'm, I'm sticking on that. She still live in Detroit. I think so. That's an excuse, man. That's always an excuse. And then my last one is my tribute to a man over in London. John's album? No. Oh. Close, 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 <laughs> close, close. No offense, close. Jay. No offense. I thought close. that's where he was going. Close. I'll say that for next year's show. That's the difference between you and D'Angelo. Your album is done, finished, yeah. ready to be released. You still tweet. No, it's still not it's right. Still not there. <laughs> and, and God forbid when he moves on to like the cover art. Oh my right. God. They gonna get the they get the masters and think okay we good to go. Right. No, it's another two years because we have to work on the cover art. Oh yeah. You gonna sit liner notes too. Oh, yeah. oh my God, I forgot the OG liner notes. 
Matter of fact, I'm, I just scratched my my atten- original right, person off. Yeah, yeah, Jahan. Yeah, yeah Jahan. Mm-hmm. So, okay, so who's your pick? It was Jay Electronica. Let me cross him, cross him off. off the list. That's a good pick, too. That's a good pick, too. Take him off the list. <laughs> you saw me waiting, right? No, no, yeah, who's your list? Cross him off the list. Yep, there you go. You said maybe, you said Jay Elect. That was one of mine. Yeah. Um... And you said, I mean, D'Angelo is the, you know, that's like the easy. That's low hanging. That's fruit. forever. That's, right, like that's, forever. Fruit. that's yeah. like a forever. That's like a forever. Yeah, the perennial. That's like a forever stamp. You know, right. it's, it's like it's, mistletoe. It's, it's always there. <laughs> it's like mistletoe. <laughs> like mistletoe. <laughs> <laughs> um, did you say Dre? I didn't say Dre. Okay, Dre. Add Dre that. Now, and I, if I, if I recall, which Dre? Which, which Dre? Not three thousand. No, the uh, yeah, Dre, Doctor Dre. Yeah, yeah. The, the detox. Oh, oh, sorry. He said well, I mean, either one of those would work, though, right? Right. Exactly. It would. It exactly. Would. Although but, the but last film I heard about Outcast, they're not going to do an Outcast album. No. It's supposed to be strictly a Dre album, right? But I keep hearing that, but he hasn't. I haven't heard him being in the studio doing anything. I don't understand how he can be. You know, we put a lot of stuff on D'Angelo. I guess because Outcast had a long career. But man, for Dre, I mean, that one album, if you look at Love Below as a single album, which yeah, it, you know, really technically it wasn't, but it was, that's been his only album you know, as, a, as, a, as a solo artist. Where, you know, how can he go this long? And then he had but, the, uh, which, and I put Arthur up on this, the uh, Andre 3000 Cartoon Network album, which was phenomenal. Yeah. Kids album, but it was great. Yeah. Um, so if you count that, you could say two maybe. But really, he's been gone for almost what ten years now. But here's the: has he been flirting with doing something, or is we just making this up? I don't know. See, the thing of different with D'Angelo is that he's, he's the one flirting. pushing out, been flirting with. I'm doing this. I'm doing this between he well, and no, Questlove saying they're gonna do he, this. He, he I don't get that from three thousand. Is three thousand said anything, Joe? No, no. I mean, I don't think he. I don't think D'Angelo said anything. I just think he the, just lets Questlove do all his talking. Right. <laughs> or, or not just Questlove. You know, uh, Russell. Um, Elevado or um, Pino Palladino, mm. all the all his all his compatriots, Chris Dave, whatever, they're all the ones who say, "Yeah, we just recorded this, we just recorded that." Q-tip, mm-hmm. you know. So, but, so, I, yeah, so, so I don't know if three thousand yeah, Drake so can go in there because he doesn't flirt with that now. Doctor right. Dre, yeah, yeah he's Dr. always Dre, he's Detox. now. Detox didn't him and Eminem release a single? Was it this year or was it last year? Um, I need a doctor. I think it was I think it was Eminem's song, but Dre mm-hmm. featured heavily on it. Right. Um, and it was all that was supposed to again be the you know because in the song Eminem is calling him out saying, "Look, we need you to come right. back." And that was supposed to be the jump off again for the fifteenth million times right. for Detox didn't happen. So I mean, we had a show a long time ago about you know journalism or whatever. So I just feel like journalists need to shelf some stuff. It's like yo, if Dre's label calls you and says, "Hey, blah blah," hang up on. Him. Just right. tell you know we not you know isn't, unless you got an album to send me. You know right. what I'm saying we're not talking about this. Right. And of course they're not gonna do that because they fear that somebody else is gonna scoop. Them, you know what I'm right. saying? So they can't do that. But at the same time, it gets to a point with with Dre. Dr. Dre and D'Angelo and some of these other people just you know unless you got product actual physically sitting in front of me there's no conversation to be had what's what's hilarious about the Dre example is that he's so late on albums that we're just focusing on the latest album that he's late on like everybody has since forgotten about Chairman of the Boards the album that he was supposed to do with Timberland Mm mm-hmm and then everybody previously has now forgotten about Helter Skelter. Yep, yep. Helter the Skelter. That he was supposed to do with Ice Cube. Yep. So it's like, he's so late. It's like, you know, forget the other two. Where, right. Where's the latest one? Mm-hmm. Yeah, to me, though, still, D'Angelo is the worst offender. Yeah. Never had that. Jay Elect, though. He... No, he's close. <laughs> he's close. What's keeping him off the D'Angelo list? See, I felt and still feel that because he, he doesn't have an album. If he doesn't put on an album 
Tuesday, this <laughs> Tuesday, <laughs> he's done. <laughs> <laughs> is he dead to you? He's d- he's done. He's irrelevant. He's a he's a he's a basketball streetball legend. He's done. He's the neighborhood legend. Great sports analogy, baby. Right, Arthur made he's a dope the G- he's, he's the Jesus Shuttlesworth. He he got game. The truth example. No, he didn't even say. He said a local legend. So you're not even a national playground. You just known around your block. You know around your block. That's it. That's a good one, Jahan. Okay, uh, well, I mean, I had a few of those on my list too. So uh, the one I'll go with now, I got, I got three to go with now. Okay. Um, one is uh, the album that Q-Tip was supposed to be doing mm. with Nigel Godrich, who is the producer of Radiohead or the, you know, the, um, favorite group. the additional member. Uh, and that was like um, about, uh, I think it was about five years ago in the LA Times, there was an article from, it was an interview with Q-Tip and Q-Tip was talking about how they were going to do it. They've been talking about it. They started working together. It's mostly sample based. They're going to merge sounds, etc. And it sounded like the kind of thing that could actually happen. So it's, uh, it's quite disappointing that it hasn't, but I think it's just, it's just dead in the water now. The next album or albums really is Nas. Now, Nas was supposed to do he was supposed to do an album this year with Common, with the rather unfortunate title Nas.com. Um, oh, because they did that single. That's dope. <laughs> that's dope. <laughs> that is really dope. That's, dope. that's corny as hell. What I are you like that about? though. That, I don't think that's corny. I think that's, di- I think that's dope. I think that's Ironically, dope. Common is now arguably falling into exactly what he was accusing Ice Cube of doing. I think a lot of people were thinking, yeah, well, Nas plus Common, Nas's last album was good. You know, maybe No ID will be on the beats. It, uh, it, I think a lot of people were quite excited about it. I, I, I would love to see that too, but I, I gotta go back a second though, and I gotta say, Common's as much as I don't enjoy him as an actor, I think he's, you know, his talent level as actor to me is minuscule compared to his, his talent as an MC. Yeah, of course. To me, his transition into acting is completely different than Cube's transition as far as the longevity of it. Because Cube, maybe not initially, because Cube did kind of initially kind of do the same thing that Common did initially. But if you look at what Cube has done since then, it's, it's a completely different story. But, but even from the beginning, Cube was behind the scenes as well as in front of the camera. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I also think we need to take, to take consideration in this conversation that one of the reasons Common said what he said about Cube is because Cube was extremely sensitive. In his response Very to what true. Common did as a record, he just it didn't blast out Q. Yeah, Q I just agree. all of a sudden I had agree. an issue with what Common said. And he, he like, for real, you gonna be that sensitive about <laughs> you know me taking saying what I felt was truth about what your area has done to this music? He really didn't say anything bad. Mm-hmm. So what he said about Q was basically a response thing. So I think mm-hmm, I think that mm-hmm. needs to be taken in consideration. But, that that would be a really good album. But his, and I, I do. But John, the thing is, you don't think that given time because. Common did put out an album last year in 2012. Mm-hmm. And Nas put out one in late 2012 that kind of mm-hmm. extended they, over they this year. They said it was going to come out this year, though. So Okay, well, I'm saying, do you think it's going to come out next year, though? Because that sounds like it still no, has strong I possibility. I don't, and I'll tell you why. Uh, okay. I'll tell you why. My second pick is the reason why it ain't going to happen. Because Nas <laughs> doesn't follow through. In November 2005, Scratch magazine had on its cover issue, or on its, on its cover story... Scratch Magazine had Nas and Primo. Yep. And they were talking about the album that they were recording together. Not we're going to record, 
but were recording together. Yeah. And it never came out. And then last year, Primo gave interviews saying, oh, it's done. It's done. We're going to call the album finally. Uh, never came out. So my theory is that a lot of these, it's not just Nas, a lot of MCs, like Jay Electronica was, was you know, he was tweeting, I think in March of last year, he was tweeting with uh, Little B saying, oh yeah, you know, we got we to gotta work out that EP together that we're doing and blah, blah, blah. Never came out. So I think a lot of people, whether it's in the green room or backstage or nowadays just on Twitter, they're talking about, yeah, we should do this. We should do that. We should collaborate. And then somewhere along the line, it becomes official. Right. Whether it's with the best intentions that they have at that particular time or whether it's a publicist thinking, great, I got something to do now. I can do my job. I can show my boss I'm doing some work, etc. Whether it's that, who knows? But um, I think a lot of these things are just discussions that happen and they never actually are. They're more like embryonic ideas rather than hard coded. But do you, do you think of, that's you know, because nobody there's no attachment to it outside of their personal commitment. Like there's no record label pushing be. them because they paid for this project to get done. Do you think that's Could the be. reason it's not getting out? Because it's hard. It's easy to talk about something when there's, when there's nothing attached to it, when there's no responsibility yep. to that it. It's could just be true. us that getting could be together. True. But, then, but then do it like Talib Kweli did it. You know, if, if the record label isn't necessarily down with initially saying, yeah, cool, go get an album done produced by Madlib, do what Taleb did. Record an album with Madlib and release it for free on the internet. But, but see, here's the thing. I think you know, have the courage of your convictions. But maybe Taleb has a different feel that he needs to get music out there. That people were talking about Nas may not feel he needs anything. Common may not feel like he needs anything. But how about just may doing feel it? like you know they but, just okay yeah okay. But you're saying you're saying need anything. I'm asking. I'm not a, really saying. I'm just oh, asking. No, okay, yeah. okay. But that would be to say need anything from a business or a commercial standpoint. How about needing it for the art? How about I need my legacy to be this dope, sick, crazy music? Well, let's look at, you know, I'm 100% with you on that last point, John. But let's look at these two artists in particular. Com, let's look at Common for a second. Common is busy as hell. You know what I'm saying? He's doing a lot of stuff artistically, too. Whether it's good art or bad art, we can, you know, mm -hmm. argue about that. But he is doing things artistically. Mm -hmm. Nas, I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Nas put out, whatchamacallit, last year. I know that life is good. That, that took up two, probably two, three years of his life mm -hmm. when you go from mm -hmm. recording all the way to the promotional stage. So maybe now he's kind of in a chill stage and he's had a long career. You know what I'm saying? You know, he's, he's not, he's, he's kind of in his, you know, uh, the ending stages really of his career. So I get your point, Jay, as far as doing it for the art. I do think, though, that what you said earlier is really true. A lot of times you have publicists or people in the industry who, one, want to look busy, but then also realize that in this atmosphere of social media, you have to keep your artist's name out there some way. You know what I'm saying? Even if you know they don't have any product coming for a long time, let's get their name out on Twitter. Let's have them trend for at least a day or two. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Cool, we good. So if there's a conversation between Com and, you know, and Nas about so-and-so, somebody probably did put it out there. And like you said, at some point, there was some line where we could probably never find that it became official. And then we mm -hmm. as fans are like, damn, when is this going to happen? And the publicist's like, oh, you know, it's all hush, hush, blah, 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 because they just want to keep their name out there. So I think... Social media, I think it plays a big role in this, but this has been a game that's been going on for a long time, mm -hmm. as you know, in the media. You know oh, what I'm yeah. saying? This is, as, as a media game, this has been going on for a long time. Okay, well, I, I only have one now, but my project is uh, <laughs> the Manny Fresh, Yasin Bey, formerly known as Most oh, Def album. Mm, you were excited about that. 
you were excited about that one. Where did you first hear it? I mean, what I got first, your hopes up? I first heard it. I actually heard about it late. I heard about it um, midsummer, and I found out that they had already done like a four-part video series on YouTube about the, the making of this album. Oh, they did a making of it. Yeah, so it's made. It's made. <laughs> wow. The craziest collab, but that's what I'm saying. That is the absolute craziest collaboration that you could think of that would actually be incredible. Now, during the making of it, was this did you get a sense of how long it took them to to do this album? Yeah, it's like it it took them like five minutes because it's like they gelled and they just you show them in the studio recording. You hear music, you hear the beats, you hear some of the finished product, you know. And when I say it's a series, I mean like Moses got different clothes on, and you know what I'm saying. There are different people going. I'm in just the studio. Arthur like at his job, not doing his work. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. It's like I got the computer like this holding it up. <laughs> but you know, I, I hope it does. I hope I'm wrong. But this, I don't see it one happen. of those instances of creative, like a rush that happens, and you do something very creative and very, you know meaningful to you and then after that kind of wears off those endorphins kind of go away then the business people come in like how are we going to actually release this you know this contract here this sample there blah blah and it's gone you know that's why i asked you how long it took them to actually do it but yeah well based on the based on the enthusiasm that they had in the studio that you saw that it was a fruitful collaboration that produced results now if we're going to see the the those results those they hit the light of day then that's that'd be a beautiful thing but i think that with that kind of momentum happening and it's not there isn't a released product i worry and and there's no commitment to this from anybody else pushing it to get it out wow i didn't know nothing about that one that's a good one okay next up the most ridiculous moments by an artist in 2013 um, <laughs> Isaac Perry. <laughs> the most ridiculous slash embarrassing. Define, define ridiculous. No. <laughs> <laughs> let me add. Let me add embarrassing to that moment for artists. To me, was and I don't know the mechanics of this. Maybe you guys can. Dedry explained it to me once, but I don't. I didn't get it. But was the releasing of Magna Carta by Jay Z. <laughs> <laughs> Well, just just the fact. Just, just okay. Just the let's fact take that away. It was released. Let's just do, <laughs> yeah. not how it was just released, but that, that, it, that, that it came out. Abomination <laughs> was released <laughs> into our ears, as Jay would say, it poisoned my ears. But listen, the way if you remember the way that album came out, television commercials were first. Remember, yeah. <laughs> played during like like was it basketball? I think no, it was football games. It was like you know these. Super Bowl. Was it around Super Bowl? Yeah, I think it was around Super Bowl. Time. Super Bowl yeah. yeah, exactly. That was around the first Super one. Was yep. Super Bowl. So and it, it was, was like, a Samsung commercial. Oh my god! So these real like you know AT and T looking commercials were like you know Jay and Timbaland and them were in the studio and Rick is on the couch. And, but let's oh, say it though. We had was, we had Pharrell. Uh, what was that for? That was Hewlett Packard. No, it was, no, it was Samsung. 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 So it was Jay Z. I'm, get, I'm getting to that. Pharrell, Timbaland. Mm-hmm. Swiss Beats? Yeah, he Swiss was there? Yep. Yeah. He Rick came Rubin. in for a second, then he left. Yeah. And, and Rick Rubin. And the oppression that you were supposed to get, this, this, you know, because this is really important, y'all, was that you had these geniuses, this council, this genius, and this incredible moment was happening. And Jay is in there like, yo, I think, let's play that back, because I think we can do blah, blah, blah. And it's like, oh my God, this is Jay-Z creating. This is brilliant. 
Get the fuck out of here, man. This is first some, of all, this Pharrell, some, Timberland, and Swiss Beats in the room collaborating. Right. Yeah. Oh, honestly speaking, from that moment, I was like, this is about to be some BS. Like, I can just feel how this the corporate hands are all over this. This is like there's no artist artistry in this at all to me. And so when the album, then they explain how this album is going to come out. This is the mechanics of it that I didn't really understand. You know, people with Samsung phones are going to get the album. You know, downloaded automatically or right. something. And somehow that figured into his sales, like his first day sales, you know, mm. were figured into people who just got the album on their phone. This whole thing was just, it was an abomination. It was like, this is, a, it was a middle finger to, to me as a, as a, as a music listener, as a music snob, right. it was a middle finger. And then I forced myself to listen to the album because I was already offended by this, you know what I'm saying? By this whole concept. <laughs> but then I was like, I'm going to listen to this album just so I can hear, you know, it might be dope. You know what I'm saying? Maybe, maybe he did mm. it. Maybe Jay did. Worst album in his career. Hands down, not according worst, to him. Worst album, <laughs> not of according his to him. Career. He put it like four. He put it like six. I think it was six or something like that. Right, six thousand. <laughs> he ain't even got that many albums. You know what I'm saying? This, this how terrible this album was. He and would I never to make it. an album worse. I listened to it just to so I could, you know, I want. I didn't want to dog it. I listened to it. I was like, this is. Mm-hmm. It was god awful, you know. And so, to me, he embarrassed himself as this legendary artist. You know what I'm saying? To it was almost like he was trying to fool us. You know what I'm saying? It was like, dude. It was almost like it was. He's become so corporate now. He's forgotten the art part, artist mm-hmm. part. You know, he's forgotten. He's mm-hmm. completely forgotten. Jay Z has always been a brilliant businessman. You know, what I'm saying from before he even got into the game. You know, into the music game when he was in the other game. He's always been good at business, but this to me represented the complete taking over of business in his career. <laughs> if anybody tells me Magna Carta is good, I'm almost like Jahan on that. Like I just can't respect your opinion anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, so to me, that was my most ridiculous, you know, and embarrassing moment by artists in 2013. Can I go? Yes, sir. Anything and everything that Miley Cyrus has done in 2013. Mm. What Miley's been doing is indicative of when you actually don't have talent to back up your product. And and Miley can actually sing. Mm-hmm. I mean, Miley sings to me as good as if not better than taylor swift miley's not bad no she's not she has you know she's got you know she's got stage presence so you're not hating on her music you hate what she's done right and and, and she's reduced herself mm. for 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 no reason at all but here's my question i'm, I'm not gonna cut but here's my question has she reduced herself i'm saying because if she hadn't done because i've always believed the fine line between insanity and genius and miley cyrus i think knows what her limitations are in this business, but at the same time, if you take away what she's done, the quote-unquote craziness or whatever that she's done, if we stuck with her music, are we even talking about her? In, in this day and age, I think she's it's on, she's a 20-year-old kid that is starting to hang around black folks. <laughs> yeah, see, that's where I was yeah, right. getting into. And she found a way to put her name into a place of relevancy where at least we're talking about her but i don't think arthur is saying she's reduced herself business-wise but she he's saying as an artist she's reduced herself okay you know how when you were a freshman in college you couldn't go 10 feet without somebody offering you a credit card i went to black school there wasn't none <laughs> cash only homie cash only homie i i, I, don't, arthur, I, don't, know, I don't know anything about i went what you're to ohio about. state my freshman year so yeah i, I know I nothing can, what you're talking understand. about dude. and we signed we signed up for those cards we signed up for those day. cards we used fake because they gave you a free two liter or whatever yep and they would give you some nominal limit like 500 dollars or whatever that you would burn up you know on some sneakers and a leather coat or whatever and you ended up paying back at least 
twice, if not three times the amount of what you charge in interest rate. So what I'm saying is that I believe that Miley doesn't have the capital. That sounds quite dastardly. <laughs> Thank you. That's what I was waiting for. Miley doesn't have the capital to, if this is what she wants to do, mm-hmm. dig herself out of her present situation, farious horrification disposition that <laughs> and, and, and perception that she's building right now. I don't think she's got the credit. Right. I don't think she's got the credit to be able to get out of that. I disagree because it's based on who decides to produce her. You just said she has a well enough voice to carry on a listenership. Not a great one. Is that going to be her image though? Her image. That's what I'm getting to is the image. She's not Madonna. It doesn't make a difference. I'm saying with I, I hear what you're Madonna saying. Madonna can completely reinvent herself after two albums. I'm thinking with Miley Cyrus, even with this, with this interest that she has, if she gets a producer that says, "Look, stop all this BS, like you're gonna do some dope," mm-hmm. that's willing to work with her. We're gonna change. we're gonna find out. I I tend to agree with you, though, Arthur. I think that she's put herself in a place like she's found a slot in the popular culture that I think she's going to have a very hard time getting herself out of that slot. But are you, but, but John, I mean, but uh, John, Arthur, do you feel like she could be a great music? Do you think that she has the the talent to be a, a Madonna? No, I don't think she has the talent to be Madonna. And, but see, that's what I'm saying. It's, it's like, she doesn't, she doesn't have that Madonna esque ability to be able to reinvent herself. Oh, so, okay. I after, and so I'm saying, saying after even two if she wanted cycles, to do that, down the road, she's she's screwed. She can't do it. She's always going to be the girl be that fair, was buck naked on a on a on a bowling ball. <laughs> on a bowling ball. On a, on a wrecking ball. <laughs> that would but. I would like to see that. <laughs> butt naked on a bowling ball. That would be impressive. <laughs> to be, I mean, look, I don't I don't listen to the American horror story that is Miley Cyrus's career, but um, to be fair to her, was it abundantly apparent from Madonna's first or second album that she was a reinvention genius i think it was a, that's the stage that miley cyrus is at right now right yeah i think that started from like a version to true blue so from 84 to 86 true blue was her third album or a fourth album that was her third album mm. okay so how many albums has miley cyrus had given that you're two? the expert i think two two expert two. i saw that in there <laughs> right. that was dastardly he's got daughters man back off right <laughs> okay well we'll see then i mean i won't see you guys will see i think with miley it's gonna take more than producers though mm. so okay, you know no. we'll see good pick good good you. one Give good it. one all right well well mine mine's a nice b-side to arthur's so most ridiculous stroke embarrassing moment stroke artist of 2013 is robin thick and um I mean, you know, we've we've said everything we want to say on him. Ridiculous. Preemptively suing the Marvin Gaye family. Ridiculous. Um, standing behind grown ass man standing behind a almost pre-teenager in front of the world while she gyrates on you and you sully the good footlocker uniform. Ridiculous. <laughs> he sully the good uniform. <laughs> the people of Footlocker appreciate that. <laughs> They appreciate just, you saying just, just that. It's really ridiculous. But the most ridiculous thing about it to me is that he just came off like really cowardly. Like he couldn't even stand up in the court of public opinion and say, this is what I wanted to do. This is my art. 
is what I believe in. He, in, in the very, you know, and maybe I'm doing him a disservice because I only wrote a few pieces on this. But in the pieces I read, he always invokes Paula Patton's name and her friends. And, mm-hmm. you know, I wasn't sure about this, but my wife said it was a great idea. And her friends said it was a great idea, whether it's the song, whether it was the performance, whether it was the video. He recently was on the cover of a sort of top shelf, but high class kind of magazine. It's like him and a bunch of naked women on the cover. And he was like, I was a little worried about this, but my wife and her friends said, oh my God, no, it's dope. It's dope. you got to do it. So you know, that's, he that's, always relies on that. Jay, that's the whole, uh, one of my best friends is black defense. Exactly. You know, it's yeah, like, exactly. I can say whatever because, you know, Herb over here is, <laughs> is black and he's cool. He's saying, well, I wasn't sure if I should say it or not, but one of my best friends is black and they say I should do it. So I'm doing it. <laughs> he just completely removes himself. And, and the, the, the real tragedy here is he doesn't need to do any of this. I mean, he had an okay career from an artistic standpoint, certainly. I agree. That's a good one. Yeah, I, that's a I good agree one. 100%. That's agreed. The, the interesting thing to me is that how he took the backlash of the Marvin Gaye situation and how it came to him and didn't come to Pharrell. To me, he should have thrown like, look, I didn't, y'all need to talk to him. <laughs> y'all need to talk to him. He came up with the beat. He came right, talk to his brother right here, right. That's where it shouldn't be at me. Right. It, Pharrell has not gotten thrown under the bus the way he needs to get thrown under the bus. But the Robin Thicke thing, Thick thing, to me, it just smacks more offensively because his fan base is African-American. Yeah, always And, you know, and, and the few other non-African-Americans who like African-American music. So... For him to sue Marvin, or the the family of Marvin Gaye, at some point, to me, it should have struck him like, "Hold up, this is like me, you know, basically committing mm-hmm. suicide. Mm-hmm. You know, this is this is a level of offense. I've appropriated this music, and now I am going to sue one of the gods of this music. It's like that's I can't do this. So, but to to your uh, to your point, I hold Pharrell just as accountable, and I'm just as irritated with him as I am with Robin Thicke. Mine's the last one, uh, and I'm thinking. You kind of blur years together, but I think I'm, if I can remember, this was this year. Um, Frank Ocean's whistling on the Grammy Awards. <laughs> <laughs> that was, that was February, right? Yeah, so I thought it was February. I thought it was this year. That was, that, that did it for me. His performance was horrible, but when he got to the part with the whistling, that was the most embarrassing. I've wow. never, I've never, and like, I, and that's Ozzy's guy. Right. But, and you know this is his big moment his big Grammy I was so you're waiting for that but when he came out in the headband I knew it was a problem <laughs> wow, wow, like wow. dude then he got on and he, he sounded bad but then when he got to the whistling I'm like it was so bad I couldn't feel bad for him right and you know I don't you know I never thought of it in terms of being the most ridiculous but I thought it was the most disappointing you know and it was it was so it was just like a, it was a letdown because like so much was built up around this is his first grand performance. No, that's what I'm saying. The whole performance was so like I told I told my son and we were sitting there watching. I was like, if I was in Starbucks on eight o'clock on a Thursday after, evening and he was up there saying, I'd be happy with this. Cool, this is a nice little performance. Grammy performance at that level. That was wow. It wasn't a live concert where it just went bad there you rehearsed this it was was one song you rehearsed this and you were cool with this you know what i'm saying other people saw this right and And they were like yeah that's i'm like you actually went at some point in rehearsal when you're doing a sound check like maybe need to do another song right 
for the first three minutes it went there and then the whistling came in. <laughs> That's what's like, this is the most ridiculous shit I've ever seen ever. All right, next up. Songs that changed your opinion of a certain artist. Oh, yes. I can go first. Mine is Go, quick. Isaac. Go ahead. Quick. Uh, mine is Drake's entire album. Nothing was the same. Changed my opinion, though. Yep. <laughs> Peace out. I'm out. I'm done. Cross that off my list. There it goes. It's done. It's wrapped. Wait, 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 wait. What was your What was your opinion before and after? My opinion before him. Well, you, you know, I can't say it changed my complete opinion. I, I always knew the brother had talent. You know what I'm saying? But I just wasn't really into the, you know, his, his music. Even if I could appreciate it, because you know I have a 15 year old son, and, you know, it was really, you know, it makes him happy if I listen to his music. You know, just like I'm sure it's the same way around for me. But you know, so when I would hear his songs, it was like, oh, I can appreciate his talent, but it's just not like that. But nothing was the same. I think it's, it's a great album, and I don't know where it's at as far as how the younger kids feel about it in comparison to some of his other stuff. I've heard they don't like it as much. Maybe that makes you know it makes sense. But to me, that album is it shows him as an artist. Like this, this dude is serious. Does he reach the heights that you know he may? Some of the journalists may say he reaches or try to put him at you know say this is where he encapsulates. I don't know that. No. But I'm just saying. From my respect for him, from as, as an artist at that level, it just increased with this album. I'm like, this dude is serious. That's funny. It's the exact opposite for me. I went the exact opposite way. And to put it into context, I was with the kids yesterday, and we had a basketball game, and uh, a team lost at the buzzer, and one of the teams, one of the players on the team who lost, went down to the court and started crying immediately. All the kids say, "Look, he's doing a Drake." <laughs> Damn, and that's that's wow. the way that's that's the way he changed me as a he went so soft and so emotional. I'm like this. I'm not saying you have to be hard in hip hop, but this changed my whole thing about any. He emasculated himself on this album for me. It, it, it kind of sounds like you are saying that though, bro. Mm -hmm. What? That you saying you have to be hard in hip hop? No, I'm just saying he. No, no, no. I say you have to be hard. You can still be have some emotion. He just went to a hole. He went too far. I think he if went you, way if too you look at, if you look it, at, I don't care if he was a hip hop artist. If he was, a, if he was a singer, if he did insurance sales, it didn't. He, he emasculated himself for me. If you look this. at, what, um, about, what about Mike crying during "She's Out of My Life"? Did he emasculate himself? No. But why not? <laughs> not for me. <laughs> but Drake, Drake can't sing a slow song though. Hmm. Well, he didn't do it as well as Mike. Maybe, maybe, maybe the music just wasn't good enough for me to like. All right, you know. Hell, Marvin Gaye could hey, cry. And I, you that's know. part of the man code, Jay. The, the quality of music has to be up to a level. Then I had to be able to listen. Right, right. <laughs> listen, if you listen to uh, what's what's the single "Going Home," which I told Jay when I I tried to get Jay to listen to, I'm sure he hasn't, but I tried to get him to listen to. To me, it's like a, a beautiful homage to a 1980s pop song. It just sounds like a great. If that song came out in '88, it would have been a huge hit. Mm. You know, even though it's a hit now, it'd been a huge, much larger hit back then. You go from that song to um, it's a song where he's basically saying uh, they never loved us. You know, MFs never loved us, and it's like this hard kind of kicking your chest, like you know, almost on some bomb squad type stuff. You know, and it's mm. like. To run the gamut between those two songs, to be able to have those on the same album and make it work, this cat is doing it. See, it didn't you know, work I, for I, me. I, <laughs> it didn't did, did work for me at all. Not, I, I lost. I lost. I totally. I'm totally looked to do differently. So. Well, I maintain that's my that's my pick. 
Yeah, that was my number one pick, but on a whole different end of the <laughs> whole, spectrum. Whole so, yeah. Right. Well, Scoop, you had one. Are you ready for yours? Oh, I had a few. Um, but there's a DJ uh, by the name of Calvin Harris who kind of went pop this year. He put out a song, you know, uh, called Sweet Nothing that became kind of like a pop hit. I didn't think, being a DJ guy, I didn't think Calvin Harris could put that out. So I just all of a sudden went from looking at Calvin Harris from a DJ. Is actually, this cat can do songs. I started looking at him the same way, you know, look at Mark Ronson, you know, who's also a DJ, started off as a DJ, and then became, you know, producer, started doing songs. So Calvin Harris, Sweet Nothing, really took me to an, another place. Um, and then I have to say to Jahan Chagrin, Robin Thicke. Mm. You know, I never thought that Robin Thicke would kind of get out of that black you know, fan base, white artist acceptance. I never thought he would go pop. I never thought he would have a song that could, you know, basically transcend beyond the black audience that he's always had throughout his career. Until he stole from Marvin. Well, he stole it from Marvin <laughs> before. You know what I'm saying? He sampled and used Marvin. And, you know, I'm not getting into the schematics of But you, you know, think Blurred blur Line changed your opinion now? Yeah, it did. I didn't think he could do a song like that. I didn't think he could have one song that could actually, once again, transcend beyond his attention or his original fan base. I have to say, when I first heard that song, I didn't know that was him singing. Yeah, me either. Right. No, I, I, I'm not I, mad at that pick. Yeah. I'm not mad at that pick. No, I'm just saying, I knew it was him singing because I kind of, I guess when I first heard it, that was introduced to being Robin Thicke. No, you know what? I saw the video, the, the, the original video with the naked women. You're nasty, yeah. Right. <laughs> you sent it to me. <laughs> yeah, you sent it to me, so thanks, man. <laughs> Press forward from Port of Pat. So, anyway, so back to the thing. So, yeah, that's, that was blurred just, just for that purpose. Just for, I'm sorry, not for that purpose, but just for that reason. That I never thought, of all the people, especially with Justin Timberlake being who Justin Timberlake is, I never thought Robin Thicke would do a record that would like basically go pop and be as big as, I never looked at Robin Thicke as being that artist. You couldn't have told me starting out this year that he was going to be, have, you could never told me that Robin Thicke was going to have the biggest record of the year. Ne- and, I mean, period, of all genres of music. He's never been that artist. He's been. And he's that, deep, in, deep into his career too. Yeah. Deep in his two career, but always, like I said, I hate to say this, and I may be wrong, but it's not like white folks even know about Robin Thicke. You know, he's been basically a white artist that has always had a small, not even a large, uh, uh, Anthony, Anthony Hamilton-ish black fan base. <laughs> Seriously. Right. That's been his thing. But And for this dude to go from that to having the biggest song of the year is equivalent to all of a sudden Anthony Hamilton having the biggest song. So it changed my way of looking at Robin Thicke. I never thought it could be done. You think it could happen for a black man? Not, oh, that's a great question. Could it happen for a black artist? Could um, it happen for a 40-year-old boho incense finger snap artist? Not unless he's married to a white woman. <laughs> and she says it's okay. She says, <laughs> she says it's okay. Right? It's cool. She says it's okay. <laughs> so Jay Electronica has a shot. <laughs> I showed this. I showed this to Heather. I was scared. I showed this to Heather, and she said it was good. And all her friends <laughs> said, "JLA got a shot. JLA got a chance. He got a chance. He got to come out with some product. He got to have some product to show her friends. Like Jay, my friends would like to see some of your product. Do you have some? <laughs> okay, uh, mine is Lord. I uh, I wrote her off as a. Um, as uh, just a team bopper, Lord. 
The girl? Who is Lord, that? L-O-R-D-E, the one that does Royals. I don't know it. Jay, we'll, we'll, we'll talk wait, after the show. Wait, this is the first time Jahan's ever known an artist. He know, no, he's he's not known a lot of artists. For real? Yeah. yeah. I know. thought he's, he's known, known I thought he no, didn't no, no, like no, no, any no. of them. I thought he he's knew who they were. He just, I'm sorry. Let's he, say he, he knows to, all of them. He's about to clarify the meaning of artist. Go ahead, Jeff. Yeah, I mean, this is really using the term artist very loosely, <laughs> isn't it? So, you know, I, I wrote, I heard the EP and I wrote her off as... Um, you know, top 40 Tina Bopper kind of thing but the the album that the proper album because her first her first release was uh, an EP called The Love The Love Club and um, her album now is called uh, Pure Heroine Heroine spelled like a hero H-E-R-O-I-N-E and the thing is it's like the songs on the album it's kind of like the criticism that I that I give uh, the Weekends album where all the songs they sound the same but she's got this Billy Squire, big beat type of production that happens, you know, and it really works for her. And uh, it was the song that I think is her 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 single now called "Team" that that got me. Um, but to watch her perform, it's like, have you ever seen the Corpse Bride? <laughs> the Tim Burton claymation yeah. thing, yeah. where she, you know, moving all quick yeah. and stuff like that. You yeah. know, it's a little creepy <laughs> to watch her sing any of her wow. songs, and she's like a, you know, kind of like a goth Joni Mitchell or something. Wow, to watch her do her thing, but it's it's, and, and I really hope I'm pulling for this girl, and it could be that I just have a thing for apathetic Caucasian. <laughs> female singers or, th- Tim, th- or Tim Burton films or Tim Burton go, films. Right? I thought but, that about you <laughs> but I'm hoping it, I, I'm hoping it goes the way of of say um, and let me say this very carefully because I'm I'm making a comparison but Please not don't say Lana Del Rey no Fiona Apple oh wow now you, you you walking on sacred ground right so I'm not saying that I'm not saying that pure heroin is is title so much as that I am hoping that like title she was able to do it again okay and actually create a career and go deeper and deeper in, a, in artistic expression I'm, I'm kind of pulling for this girl so how did she change your perception what was your perception going in my oh my perception was going in was was um just straight teeny bopper just straight yeah just straight ignorance okay. it, you know miley at my britney at best i don't know okay how how did you how were you introduced to her was this because of the the daughters why would you ask a man who would go to who would use the box set of craft work as his I, only thing he wants to listen to on his own island? How he was introduced to an artist? Yeah. <laughs> Why would you ask? You right, know? right, yeah. yeah come on. I, just, I was just curious because I'm thinking I've heard Lord's name, like, but I didn't know really what that. I didn't know if it's a group. That's the thing, right? It's like you don't know if it's a group. You don't know if it's gender. Or you know what? There's a lot of happening. them little female because there's Lord. If you really want to find out who they are, you just go to Starbucks and they're all in the. You know when you pay for it, <laughs> there's a little kiosk with the little CDs right there. All of them, the little teeny popper girls are right there. Okay, next up, releases that you should have heard but didn't. Mm. John, you got something on this? Yeah, I do. I do. I do. I do. Um, all right, well, my pick is Derek Hodge, Live Today. Uh, it's an album on Blue Note by Robert Glasper's bassist, bass guitarist, double bassist. I really should have heard this album because I'm not only a fan of Robert Glasper and 
the you know most of the material that they put out i'm a huge fan of Derek hodge and i say that because not necessarily solely off his live performances because he's great live they're all great live it's much more so the fact that he produced my favorite album last year and my favorite album of maybe the last 15 years which was gizmo's red balloon just such a emotionally exquisite recording to me and Derek Hodge then dropped a solo album this year which he's produced and I'm, I'm really really hoping it's on that level and I haven't heard it yet because I don't want to I don't want to hear it when I'm not going through a fantastic time in my life um, and I want I just want circumstances to be perfect so I've said it before in the context of you know albums that we should have heard and haven't and mine was Bitches Brew it's got to be perfect I've got you know candles and incense and it's got to be on the right kind of summer's day with the right kind of breeze it's almost like for me stuff that I really really anticipate quite heavily I run the risk of getting let down but I like all the sort of planets to be aligned and all the circumstances to be just just perfect or just wonderful so i'm really looking forward to doing that but i probably won't do it for another six months in the meantime can you send me the album <laughs> i'll listen to it tonight <laughs> uh i can go great great pick by the way yeah. derek, derek is Thank the you. man because i've seen derek live with glasper twice maybe three times and that matter of fact uh, when I was in London, real quick, uh, we saw uh, Esperanza Spalding, and yep. I was disappointed in her performance. I and to I told I told Jahan afterwards, who was the it, first it person changed. I brought up. I said I would have rather seen Derek Hodge, you know, because she ain't really mm-hmm. hitting it. All. Now she sang, she sang one song. I thought that was, you know, that was beautiful. She blew it out the, you know, let's she, give her she due. Blew, she, yeah, she I mean, blew it, it out the water insane. when, she, when she sings and puts on. She's as a performer when she sang, it was it was incredible, but. The other five or six songs they performed in this trio, her on bass was not impressive to me. But Derek it was a Hodge on bass. Mm. But it was a different context. It was yeah, it's that whole chamber was, music thing she's going through. No, 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 no. No, they were doing they were doing a uh, tribute to Wayne Shorter, and it was who was yeah. on who was oh she's who doing was on, tribute Wayne Shorter, and she didn't come through. It's an acoustic trio. It's uh, Esperanza on bass, Terry Lynn Carrington on drums, on drums right, and uh, Jerry Allen on piano. And they just they just didn't for real. They didn't mm-hmm. they didn't mesh oh, yes. to me. You know what I'm saying? And it was like, it just But we don't work. know how, we don't know how long they work together. We don't know how long they practice together. They may have just joined for just a few dates. We don't know. So I'll, I'll give her the benefit of that. I'll give but her I the do benefit. But I do think that she's, her, I think she's really, really good on bass. On double yeah. bass. But she ain't dare so anything. Right. But, but I think she's incredible on vocals. I mean, I you know, she, she she's, She's a good bassist, but she's one of the greats, in my opinion, on vocals. There's something about the openness of her voice. Mm-hmm. It just is, is, you know, people often, journalists often lazily use the term songbird to describe female vocalists. She's a songbird. She's, she's the only female vocalist I can think of. Like, she's like a nightingale. She's just like, her, her mouth just opens up. Her voice just opens up. It's just such a clear, it's just clear as a bell. It's just uh, incredible, incredible. Let me go because I piggyback. Off of what we talk about, bass players. I still haven't heard uh, Thundercats Apocalypse, so I know he's gone. He's gone. I'm not. I'm not mad at you. Though. He, but but I, but I knew what I, when I said this, it was going to. I yeah, knew I'm I was going with this. I knew I knew I was going to lose. It's, it's, it's an album you should hear, but to me, it's not. 
it doesn't follow up on his you know it just doesn't it doesn't pay it doesn't pay off right my thing is that i still haven't heard it knowing who thundercat is and respecting thundercat for yeah, what you he's done i have not yet listened to whether good or bad reviews i just haven't had the time to listen and i know that i know <laughs> i know i know i'm about to swing I know. in a second you know what scoop you're gonna love it because it does not grow or progress at all <laughs> beyond the previous one then I probably will love it. I probably will love he it. He stays exactly where he was before <laughs> and perfects it. Hey, I probably will love it. As long as his ass hey, isn't singing. Good one, no, Jack. It was tight. It was tight. It just, it, it, the first one just set such a scene of excellence. And it was my, it was like my favorite album that year. I think the year before last, it was right. my favorite album. And it, it blew me away. And I, I think I unfairly had expectations that he was going to, he was going to do what he did plus some other Ditto. different stuff. He was going to introduce different elements with different dynamics, different aspects, dimensions mm-hmm. to him. I don't think he did that. So for me, maybe maybe the album should have been switched. Maybe Apocalypse is a better debut. And then he could have done a J. Cole. Yeah, that, that, might, the that might That's what you do. You do a J. Cole. Because because I'll, I'll say this. I mean, I, I didn't I didn't hear uh, I didn't hear. What's the full title of the first album? Golden Age? Golden Age of the, of the Apocalypse. Of the Apocalypse. Okay. I didn't hear that album first. I heard Apocalypse first. What? Wow. Really? How did that happen? Yeah. I mean, we're this doing a show right now talking about albums you should have heard but didn't. This is on some... Uh, <laughs> shit happens every year. This is on some P-Rock and CL... Yeah, he on some P-Rock and CL Smooth. What'd he do when he listened to... What's him called? But yeah, he never heard a main ingredient. No, he didn't follow right. But what's, but what's the... I gave a rationale for mine. What's the reason you haven't heard... You didn't hear Golden Age? Uh, I, I, you know what? Honestly, I just wasn't up on it. I was I was in flying lotus mode. You because were up on because it because of your this, ass. This dude, well, he, but he talked about... Yeah, but, but, uh, what's but flying lotus didn't produce the album, bro. I know, I know that. I was getting into Flying Lotus. But if you're if you're in Flying oh, Lotus God. mode, if you're in Flying Lotus mode, why wouldn't you check out? Why wouldn't you just produced? check out the other shit? Right, John. John, remember who we talking to? He listened to uh, uh, Mecca and the Soul Brother, and then never listened to Manny and Green. Right, right, right. Yeah. He was good. He was good. Satisfied. And what's Scoop's excuse for not listening to? I did, you know what? I just haven't gotten around to listening to it. Same thing. I was about to, my my personal one is I haven't listened to Ghostface album this year. Oh, which wait, is crazy. You haven't heard Ghostface album? No, I didn't listen to Ghostface oh, album. Oh, oh, I was listening to Fiona Apple all of 2012. That's why. Okay. Still no excuse. I mean, I know it ain't so wait, good enough. Is that to say <laughs> then? Are you saying, Arthur, that you didn't hear any other new music <laughs> that year? It was only Fiona whole, Apple. Did are you not date women? <laughs> no, 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 no. But empirically speaking. Are you are you categorically saying the only new album you heard that year was Fiona Apple? No, but I am saying that that was the most listened to of my albums for that year. And the way it's like the way that I listen to music when it really captures me, I listen to it over and over and over Exhausting. again. Not necessarily, okay. not necessarily I, I on repeat. I do not that necessarily too. on repeat, but it's like a focal point. Right. And okay. when there are other albums that Every are day. that require that level of attention, like like. Golden Age of the Apocalypse. I mm-hmm. I put a I put a uh, red flag. I put a red flag on it. Mm-hmm. Put a pin in it. Right. Mm-hmm. And I say, okay, I'm gonna get to okay. this. Okay. So it, that's so how it's, it's kind of like mine. So it was it's really kinda, like it was like Fiona, Flying Lotus, and another one that I. It's kind of like, of like of yours, right Jay. But both what, what Arthur and I do is that we red flag. Oh, Jack White. Jack White. Until we have yeah. enough time to give it the proper attention. 
We're not yeah, waiting right. for, you know, suns and moons to align. And <laughs> yeah, you don't do the cult thing. Flowers to suddenly spring right. from the ground. Yeah, right. My mind is on some Raiders of the Lost Ark kind of, you know, beam of light coming through the exactly. hole in the wall kind of. Exactly. You know, yeah. Is that your, uh, can I go? Okay. An album that I haven't listened to that that I should have already, I don't even, I haven't even bought it yet, is from uh, uh, Valerie June. It's me. Oh. Valerie June. Um has a her her album that I'm trying to get is that's it okay. yeah Valerie June it's called Pushing Against the Stone this is the only picture I've ever seen does she look is this just a good picture or is she gorgeous she's not too far off of that okay this is a really good picture huh? nice great album cover yeah um, that's the album cover yeah that's the album cover and it's produced by Dan Auerbach from uh, the Black Keys okay. and it's really right up my alley because it's like that roots rock that Jack White has been doing right ever since he he L- broke up the L- boy L- White Stripes right. Why, quick question, just you know, why do you? Is that a personal thing you shouldn't listen to? You, that, that's like nobody here would expect you not to listen to that. Is that a personal thing that you feel bad personally that you haven't listened to? Him? No, you know see, what? My, my I, thing is I, I would expect him to listen to that. That he likes Leon Le Havis a lot. You know, she's beautiful. I mean, she's gorgeous. Okay, yeah. Then yeah. I would expect Isaac to listen to it. <laughs> Every boy, I swear to God, there's no such thing. He called the picture. Oh, that's all it is. Isaac, dude. He pulled the picture right out. He was like, let somebody look good. Isaac, they got a chance with him, dude. They don't make a difference. I just happened to come across this picture this morning in this magazine. Whatever. I know. And then Arthur mentioned, I said, oh. It is. Forget y'all. Listen. Wait, wait. Isaac will listen to it before you will. Tonight. It's interesting though, I agree with Arthur. It's like I have like I do red flag albums that I need to give time to. Cause it's like a lot of times I'm in the office, I'll just have music playing. And but that's not sometimes that's not that's not, not a good way to listen to, to something yeah. that's brand not new. At all. Exactly. And what happens is I just loop it because it's like I'm not really listening. So I loop it. So I'll be listening to the same album all day and hoping that okay, if something's gonna grab me, it'll grab me. And that, that it does happen like that sometimes. But with albums that are important I do red flag them like you know if something's in the Dropbox and Jay has emailed and said you guys gotta hear this I'll red flag it and listen to it later alright next music snob statements that you wish you could take back things you said on the show in this 2013 year. this year can I start yeah, yes I don't, I don't think I got one go ahead I wish that I could take back that I dressed up one Halloween <laughs> 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 As Ace Frehley, <coughs> especially in front of Erica Badu. Oh, that's right. You said it in front of Erica. Oh. And she rolled me on that <laughs> later on. <laughs> wow. Hilarious. You can never take it back, though. Don't Can't. That's, that's, that's what you forever. Can't. Like, yeah. Not just on this show, like even outside of this show. Forever. And yeah. then you ran into him later, a couple months later? Yeah. That's wild. Did you tell him about that? Oh, hell no. (laughs) (laughs) You kept it cool then how you learned your lesson. (laughs) Wow. Okay, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Scoop. Um, Mine was saying that Jahan is allergic to popular music. (laughs) (laughs) Why do you wish you could take it back? Because I think I forced him to try to prove me wrong, and I didn't want to do that. (laughs) I never wanted to do that. He's made very... He's made mention of that many times after I said that, mm-hmm. you know, and I, that wasn't the point of me trying to say it. Mm-hmm. It's open wound. Right, right. So that's what I said. I, did, I never wanted to open wound it, but I think I forced him to like maybe think about it and go listen to music and then. 
like, you know, I can't, I, I don't like this shit. I don't like this shit at all. But damn, I don't want Scoop to say. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like I know, like the Justin Timberlake thing. I know he probably hated Justin Timberlake. But no, he's I, not I, ever going to say that he did because he don't no, want to. No, 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 no. That's not, let, let's not start it again. I mean, See? that's not true. <laughs> <laughs> that's not true. I thought Justin Timberlake's, uh, I thought the first part of the 2020 experience was good. I thought it was really, really good. Much less so for Justin Timberlake than for Timberland and, right. and whomever produced it. The part one and part two vibe that a lot of the tracks had, but loved it. I mean, it had its corny moments, its pop, but I actually liked that. See, that's um, my point. But, that's my point. But, but the thing point? is, is that it's, I shouldn't have said that because I don't think if I had said that, he never would have felt that way. No, well, you know, I mean, I, I think the end result is actually the same, Scoop, which is I'm allergic to stuff that I think, well, by and large, the stuff that most people like is the stuff that is just the antithesis of my taste. By and large. And that, that end result is the same. Sure, if you dig deep, if you, you know, if you needle in the haystack it, you'll always find something here and there. But, you know, yeah. No, I'm with you. It's cool. Okay. As long as it's good. That's the one thing I take back. Or maybe I just say it differently. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, mine, truth be told, I wish I could take back any and every statement I've made that could cause an artist in the future not to want to work with me <laughs> or not to hang out with me. <laughs> All right. The snob of the year. Who would we individually name snob of 2013? I think, I think Jahan and I may feel the strongest on this. Uh, I, I'll go through, first off, I'll put it this way. I'm, I'm going four to one easily uh, or three to one or whatever. First off, and the audience may not get this because they never heard this, but Nicholas Payton. Without yes, question. that's my pick. My <laughs> man. There you go. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Without doubt. I, I never knew he was that. He backed it up. Yeah, he's, he's if there isn't a music elitist out there, he's it. So just some context here. Nicholas Payton, trumpeter, multi-instrumentalist, composer, BMF Records CEO, Black American music educator, cultural commentator. He's on Twitter at Painic. You know, and to me, he, he proved himself just by being on the show and what he said, and even by the the latest thing uh, he released on, on um, whatever his on, blog, on, his yeah. blog, yeah, about yeah. The, the passing of Nelson Mandela mm -hmm. and how you mm -hmm. know an artist is going to take mm -hmm. that. I was, I've always been a Nicholas Payton fan, and I thought we were snobs, but yeah. the one thing I learned this year is this dude, he he's. Yeah, he's 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 another level. I love it. I ain't gonna lie, I love it. No, I big up, big up. Yeah, to, for real. To he, and, and again, yeah. like you said, his opinions on Black American music and the mm -hmm. context that he puts things in mm -hmm. from a from not just the musical standpoint, but from historical. A, a, a historical and a Black cultural, cultural standpoint. standpoint yeah. mm -hmm. I find mm -hmm. myself agreeing with him much more much than more. I ever disagree with him. Yeah, he's you know? I, he's saying things that a lot of artists don't have the bravery, you know, to yeah. say. Yeah, he's and fearless. I feel, he's yeah, he's fearless, fearless. right? But you know what? A lot of what you guys are saying is is political. You're talking about his politics, and I'm with you on I'm with you on everything there. But even just musically, the guy. I mean, his cred his credentials are unimpeachable. Firstly, gifted gifted trumpeter. He's played with everybody. Continues to play with everybody. Just just a gifted gifted musician. Um, and his tastes. I mean, he's so he's so eclectic. 
Yeah. He adores and deconstructs everything in exactly the same way we do, in exactly the same way that we would expect a snob or a, an elitist to do. And he loves everything from Duke Ellington to Diller to Jaco Pistorius to Jam and Lewis. I mean, he's just, he's just, he's just incredible in that way. And the other thing that really, really I, I respect beyond belief is he is so generous with his time. Um, he, he's been incredibly generous for me or to me. He's generous to other people on Twitter. Like he will just engage in conversations with people on Twitter. Even if he doesn't agree with them, he will engage in a polite, respectful manner. He will really, you know, it's not just like, this is my opinion. You're, I'm too good to even discuss my opinion now. Here's my opinion. Go read it, praise it, criticize it, whatever. He gets into it. He puts his fingers in the soil of like the discussion. I really, really respect that. And then I also respect the fact that he works with so many young artists too. And he, he's currently working with a whole bunch of really talented cats out of Richmond, Virginia. He, you know, he's working with so many, so many people and started out his own label. He's put his money where his mouth is. I think, yeah. I, I think it's fantastic in that respect. Next, 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 next. Most heartbreaking moments of 2013. Okay, real quick, mine. You touched on it before. My first one was the one you touched on before. I think uh, Robin Thicke, Pharrell, and I'll throw T.I. in there, but mainly Robin Thicke and Pharrell, suing Marvin Gaye's family, to me was, it didn't break my heart. It pissed me off, but right. it just, you know, to fit it in a category, I think it was tragic. You right. know what I'm saying? I think it was just right. a terrible mistake made by them, and I just I just lost a lot of respect for both of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but my real, my, my main one is heartbreaking moment, and because it hit somebody who's very close to my heart, my boy Jahan, is when Prince took or Prince's lawyers attacked our show and ah. took those, <laughs> removed those episodes off our SoundCloud and caused my boy, my brother from another mother, <laughs> he's Jahan, dead to, me. He's to dead put to me. Prince on his dead to me list. So now my boy, <laughs> my brother from another mother, is deprived of listening to an artist who has more than any other artist impacted his life. To the point where when I was in London, this brother is over there listening to all types of he's digging through the archives listening to the cast from St. Louis Kansas City groups I've never heard of who were influenced by Prince in the 80s who <laughs> sound just like Prince he's listening to that to get a fix he's, he's listening to the whole diaspora of music that surrounds Prince without listening to Prince because he gotta get his fix but he can't listen to Prince <laughs> this brother is hurt this is a heartbreaking moment that occurred here y'all I haven't, so, I haven't listened to yet. Prince since September the 6th. September the 6th, and as we record this, it's December that we're recording this. So this has really hurt my man. I'm like, I don't know. I feel like I need to contact Prince. But hey, man, <laughs> no, you know I'm saying? if for no other reason, you know what I'm saying, you got to help out my boy, you know, because this, this isn't going well. So that was my number one most heartbreaking moment is when Prince's attorneys removed, you know, the Prince shows mm-hmm. from SoundCloud, the TMS Prince shows. That was I'm with you, I'm with you, Jahan, man. You see? You see how I got your back, man? I appreciate that, man. I appreciate that. Well, my most heartbreaking moment um, on quite a personal level was the passing of George Duke. You know, um, my, my father died when I was quite young and um, one, one of the memories that I have of my father is, one of the few memories that I have of my father is the music that, we, that he listened to and the music that we bonded over. And Grover Washington Jr. was one, and um, George Duke was another. And when when both of them passed away, it was 
it just kind of made me think of my father and um, you know the moments that we had the times that I've met George Duke he's always been the like, nicest guy like you know just like an uncle uh, very very nice person very very open exactly you know that smile that he had on, you know, in, in photos and on album covers in concert that's who he was in you know the limited context that I saw of him that, that was him he was just such a nice warm person he's somebody that I always thought would be there for some reason I always thought George's music would just keep coming out and he was so prolific you know dropping an album almost every year uh, he spanned every every genre um, you know even rock and just just a gifted musician who I also feel musically didn't quite get his props he was never thought of in that Herbie Hancock or Chick career. He didn't quite make it there. He never became a household name. But I think internally, from, from if you talk to musicians, I think they did in the music industry. I think he was, Johan. I agree with you. I agree with you. I think those who know knew, definitely. And, you know, it may it may be down to the fact that Herbie Hancock doesn't have a let's hear it for the boy in his under his belt. It may, right. be, you know, may be down to that, but... But Herbie, but, just, but also Herbie Hancock doesn't have no disrespect, but he doesn't have like a Rochelle Pharrell where he's done. No, he doesn't. And no, he doesn't. right, so that's you're the thing. Right. You know, right. George has been right. so much behind the scenes doing yeah. stuff. Right. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're absolutely right. I mean, he doesn't have a Diane Reeves. He doesn't have a Rochelle Pharrell. You're no, absolutely he doesn't. right. Exactly. No, no, no. Absolutely. So that's right. why I say from a music standpoint, music, music, musicians know the music industry knows. Yeah, I know. I agree. <clears throat> I've got one, and it's a. Uh, it's, uh, it's music related. It's not about a, a an artist so much as an artist was a catalyst for me even to, to find this out and many others. But there was a photographer, a young man named Andrew Yusuf, who uh, died late November at 38. And he he died. He was diagnosed with colon cancer and um, it repeatedly came back. Uh, he was diagnosed in 20, 2011. So he's lived with this. And um, I believe in late September or October, he was uh, told that he uh, would only have months to live uh but one of his professions really as a side gig was that he was a uh a photographer a rock concert photographer for the oc weekly okay. in southern california and he was a big nine inch nails fan okay. and trent reznor found out about his condition and how big of a nine inch nails fan he was through andrew's blog called last shot so if you google oc weekly last shot you'll read his chronicle of his story um and uh, before he died, Reznor um, brought him to an L.A. club show that Nine Inch Nails had done, one of those pop-up shows. Um, gave him signed equipment, um, had dinner, reached out to him. But also, um, and this is on YouTube, but also dedicated a performance uh, of a song to wow. Andrew and FaceTimed him. Wow. And held up his iPhone to the crowd, wow. okay. and you know, and Reza said, uh, you know, afterwards, I'm, you know, I'm gonna give you a call and everything, but just gave him a lot of love. That's incredible. And um, it struck me, it struck me personally. I, I, I great respect for uh, for Trent Reznor as an artist, but also as a as a businessman, uh, someone who who really pays attention to the landscape. But the bottom line is. Um, it, mean, it resonates a lot with me because I'm a leukemia survivor. And um, I, I did have, although I didn't believe, which I think helped me beat it, but I did have a death sentence on me. And I could not imagine uh, a relapse 
and I certainly couldn't imagine a situation where someone has has given me a time because I don't I don't I don't I don't believe that you know but um, knowing how deep I am into certain musicians to be able to have had someone notice me that I love their work respect them as a per you know that kind of thing and bring me in you know to spend some real time with me as a human as a human being and it's also um going back to what i wish i could take back i wish i could have re-evaluated more my statements on social media and the impact mm-hmm. you know and um mm-hmm. Jahan, you were right thinking about that after we recorded that show you know the because resner would have never known about this man had it not mm-hmm. been for mm-hmm. social media mm-hmm. and that kind of artist fan connection is um is 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 supremely important because we've never had this kind of access to people you know but i mean unfortunately sometimes that's exploited but we've never had this kind of access to people mm-hmm. that they can reach out to us that we can reach out to them and even if we don't know it they can follow what we're doing as opposed to us just following them as opposed to us just following them and, so, and in this context really make a difference yeah it does it, yeah it really does it really does make a difference so Good one. For my heartbreaking moment, I just said this is one word, Jesus. <laughs> it just broke your heart. <laughs> Let's go. It's even, funny. Even on site, Jesus. Kanye is your, is your man of the year, but on the album is the worst of the year. Honest. Oh, without question. On site, I liked. All right, next. Missed opportunities in a music video. All right, well, my choice is Rihanna's Pour It Up video. Oh. Is that the stripper video? Yes. What would you change about it? I would ordinarily never, ever, ever watch a Rihanna video, mm-hmm. but someone leaked an audition tape for mm-hmm. one of the dancers in the video and Vibe.com put it up. So it's the audition tape of this lady, Nicole the Pole Williams, mm. and she's a professional pole dancer. And my my lady, um, the homegirl, she's... Uh, she, she's got a, a, a strong interest in pole dancing. She does it as an exercise. So, so uh, I ordinarily wouldn't even watch it, but I did it for that reason. And it was just incredible. I mean, the acrobatics of this, this woman was on some Inception shit. She was basically, yeah. I mean, she was like on the ceiling doing this crazy stuff with like this thigh muscle control. And I mean, it was just, Unbelievable, mm-hmm. un, un, unbelievable. But cut to the video. When the video comes out, she's uh-huh. like, she's hardly in it. So right. you've got this four or five minute version of the lady just on the pole on her own, doing some Olympic level Russian Chinese hybrid kind of like acrobatics. But then you get the actual video. She's hardly in it. Not only is she hardly in it, but there's hardly any pole dancing in the actual video. It's just like really grimy, gritty, fast cuts, hardly mm-hmm. any moves, hardly anything. Just this overtly manufactured aim to be sexy. It just didn't work for me. So I thought that was a tremendously missed opportunity because Rihanna ended up making a video that I imagine is just like every other video of its kind. Yeah. She could have made something that was just unique and out of there and, and, and showcasing this, this athletic art, which is, you know, just beyond impressive. But my, you know what, my thing though, I agree with you. It's like Rihanna had a chance to, and, I'm, and maybe that was her intent going into this to do something different. 
but for so for some reason man so much of these these videos they get they all look alike you know if you go on vivo and look at a lot of videos back to back to back they all look alike they're all the same it's like the same editor is working on all mm -hmm. these videos mm -hmm. so i agree with you i think she, that was a definite missed opportunity my most important question though is that do you still have the link to that original video <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to do mine. I'm going to just do my round and then whatever. Mine is real quick. Bound two. <laughs> That's about to be wow. mine. I just saw it. I just saw it uh, this morning. I watched it. I, what the hell is that? Don't. The, I, don't bound two. I don't get it. What, what, what's, the, what's your angle though? What, what was the missed opportunity? You had a chance to utilize your relationship with Kim Kardashian and put it in a beautiful moment and do something with Yo, you it. Know or what? use another song. It looks like two different videos. She's in a beautiful moment. He look like he don't even like her in that video. I don't, I don't know, I don't know he what he was like He's like, he's mad at her or something. What I'm saying is that a missed opportunity is that you had an opportunity to do something with your relationship. And, 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 and at least give some type of context to it outside of what the media has done with it. And you give us this. Right. Which is what? Thank you. <laughs> it's like the Morris Day right. drone conversation. Right. I have no idea what's right. going on. I don't know what I'm doing. They just ride you know around what? on a motorcycle. He the music is good. I like the music. I like that cut. Lyrics terrible. I don't know what he's talking about. I don't know what he's doing. I'm just confused. Like, have you seen it, Arthur? With everything. Do you understand it? Can you I'm explain thinking, it to us? I'm like, is he? Are they fucking? <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. Wow, wow, this has been episode 22 of the Music Snobs podcast. We want to thank you for closing out 2013 with us. You can find us online at themusicsnobs.com. On Facebook, facebook.com slash themusicsnobs. Our Twitter handle is Total Music Snobs. And we've created a Flipboard magazine for this episode. To find it, launch Flipboard on your iOS or your Android device and search The Music Snobs. You'll see our magazine, The Music Snobs, episode 22. We recorded an episode with guest snob, trumpeter and Grammy winner Nicholas Payton earlier. And look out for that coming in uh, early 2014. Thanks again, everybody, and have a wonderful new year.